I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, very excited to welcome in Rex Chapman, who uh, has a memoir out right now. It's hard for me to live with me. It's available now uh, wherever you guys can get books. And a fascinating story for Rex. Some people, especially my age or younger, who might have met you through your online persona, through Block Charge on Twitter and all these things, to get to learn about you know your not only exemplary basketball career, your time in Kentucky and in the NBA, but also some of your struggles off the court and the things that you've dealt with in your personal life. I'm curious for you, as you've gone through not only the process of writing this, but now going around and doing the book tour here, what it's been like having to go back and relive so much of this, not only in your past, but some of the pain that's been a part of it. It's been hard. It was, it was hard. You know, it was a hard process as I know both of you guys know, and especially you, Mike senior, no writing book. And, and that it's just kind of painful. You're uh, telling about some of the most intimate parts of your life and, and some that aren't, aren't so flattering. Um, talking about it is maybe even tougher. I, I, and, uh, I didn't know that I, I was forced to kind of remember some things. I think I had compartmentalized and, you know, our generation, Mike senior, this was not something you could talk about. 
Like I always had, you know, anxiety and that, that was, if you say so to someone you're depressed, what? Get out of it. What do you have to be depressed about? Get over it. Shut up. That's not tough. Be tougher. So, you know, you just get hardwired from a really young, or I did, got hardwired from a really young age to, to just not talk about any of the feelings I was ever having really with anyone. I played basketball all the time. And so when I wasn't playing basketball, I was eating or sleeping. And I'm, I just got where, you know, like we all do as athletes, you can kind of get caught and swept up in it. And because I was playing basketball all the time, and I guess I was, you know, pretty good at it. People thought, well, that's great. Look, he's a, he loves it. He's obsessed by it. You know, that, that kind of thing, which also you have to kind of be that way to become a professional athlete. You, I was Sean Johnson, the gymnast. I interviewed her a couple of years ago and she was fascinating Olympic gymnast. And she said something that stayed with me. She said, you know, Rex, every person that ever tries to do something great sacrifices a little bit of sanity. And I thought, wow, that's definitely true. Cause it's uncommon as athletes to get your head beat in every day as a freshman and keep going back and going back and getting your ass kicked over and over. And please, may I have more until you, most people, I think just stop and to be committed to just competing and learning how to compete every day is hard. So, and you're right. Our generation, we kept everything in. We were just tough it out yourself. Don't, don't talk to anybody, just deal with it. So in a way was, while this was hard to do, to put it out into words, was it cathartic at all? I'm starting to get it I, I, over the last, you know, this book coming out is, it's just been, you know, again, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard on me, but my family, these are old wounds. My ex-wife and my children, our children who are all adults now, she, she raised them. She's a rock star. She raised them. I played with them. Um, so it's bringing back of, you know, a bunch of memories for them. I've just moved back to Phoenix. Um, my son Zeke's on the staff in with the sons and our, a couple of our girls are there and I'm dropping this, a big emotional bomb right back into their literal backyard again. So, um, I just need to acknowledge that this is not, it's not easy on my parents, on my sister who, you know, my sister came to my rescue at my lowest moment. And she and I have all, not always been the, the tightest of siblings. Um, she was there for me, took me in, let me live with her. Um, my cousin, I, I, I could go down the list and then tons of family and friends. I, I just, you know, I let down so many people. I let down myself, but reconciling yourself to acknowledging that you are a thief. It's hard. Sorry. It's hard to say that. Like, so I, I always, you know, go back to, I, I mean, it had to be the drugs. I don't, I don't, you, you knew me, Mike. I, I was not, uh, I was an upstanding guy. I may have had my problems. I may have pushed the boundaries of fun, but I never did anything illegal ever. And, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't pulled over, no drunk driving. No, I've never had a problem in my life that happened. And so now I have to kind of think about it 
it had to be the drugs. If not, I go straight to, well, then you're just a bad person. And I don't feel like I'm a bad person. And I just don't. And I have so many great friends and people that I do know are good people. They like me. So that it heartens me and makes me think I'm not so bad sometimes. As you've reckoned with these things for yourself and gone through, like you said, the work and the catharsis for you personally, as you put this out into the world for other people that aren't in your immediate family and friend group there, what are you hoping they get out of reading through this? Some, something, any, anything, really. I, I can, you know, I can rem- remember my low points, and this is this is in the book. And, you know, I was in rehab. Uh, I, I'm hoping people get something out of it, it that can relate, especially addicts um, or people with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, people with ADD, dyslexia. Uh, I didn't I didn't know I had dyslexia most of my life until a couple of years ago. Uh, and a lot of things made more sense now. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, I know I, I'm hoping that I, I so in the book. I was in rehab. I was fresh out of detox. It took me about seven days to get out, which it does every single time I've been in because the opioids just don't won't get out of your system. And apparently it's like a heroin, you know, detox. Which it's just not fun. And so once it's over, you know, I could kind of start feeling emotions and whatnot again. And right out of detox, I had a visitor and I was in rehab in Louisville, Kentucky. And I went into the room and it was Rick Patino. And Rick is a longtime friend and he and Vinny Tatum, an assistant of his and a good friend of mine. And when I saw him, I just burst into tears. And, uh, you know, I was sobbing and just, I probably, <laughs> they probably couldn't understand what I was saying, but I was saying I'm toxic, you know, I'm ruined. I've ruined my kids and my family and my, my parents and everybody that, you know, has always looked up to me, my, my friends and their kids. I, I'm that's all that's going through my head. And Rick said, Rex, stop, listen. And this is somebody Rick's been through his share of stuff. And he said, mm-hmm. you're going to eat a lot of for a while. Yes, that's true. He said, but as long as you do the next right thing, he said, it's going to be like a big beach ball sized ball. He said, and then if you do the next right thing, it's going to be a basketball and another right thing. It's going to be a volleyball, softball, baseball, ping pong ball, golf ball, ping pong ball. And then one day it'll just be a pebble where when people see you, that's not what they immediately think of. And for whatever reason, it resonated, you know, and what are, what am I going to do? If I'm going to live, I got to try. And if I'm going to try, I may as well really try. And so, uh, you know, there was really only, you know, and I, I had to show my kids a better way and my ex-wife a better better way, my ex-wife Bridget, um, and my family, my friends, everybody, and show myself a different, a different way. While while this is obviously a, an issue inside of sports and outside of sports, sticking to the inside of sports part, every generation has its different issues, right? No doubt about that. We're in a generation where people do talk a little more and a little more open, unlike our generation. 
So do you think from that standpoint of your issues that it could be easier might not be the best words or, or for athletes of today because they're more open and honest about things or at least express things to others that they could help themselves more today? Man, I, I really think so. And I, I'll, I'll relate. I think you guys will relate to this. So well, I know you will. So when we were growing up, Mike, the Mike senior, the, the, you know, the media wasn't like it is. And you saw these, your sports heroes and they had this image and if they got in trouble, you know, their image is ruined, you know, they, or if something, they say something or do something. Um, I remember just being fascinated as a kid. And when I say this, I, I don't know exactly how old art is, but when I was say 12, the best thing in America was Art Schleister. And he was the quarterback for Ohio State University. And I lived in Kentucky, and Art was everybody's Mr. All-American. And I loved him. And he got out of college, and it was probably, you know, he got out of college, and, you know, his life went haywire. He, he uh, you know, gambling problems, drug problems, in and out of prison. And I just remember thinking, can't stop gambling? What are you talking about? me saying that it's funny but i i what are you talking about and like how but guys how beneficial would that have been for someone like me or you guys to know you know if arch leister had a podcast during that time to be able to articulate what was going on would have been beneficial to someone like myself for sure because i had this image that you know man you can't mess up and you know I also thought everybody that did it like you that had that career that, you know, that you want to write that memoir. You don't want to write this memoir. You set out to have a great career and that's it. I, I didn't, this wasn't planned in any way. And this is not the book I wanted to write, but I do think it'll help, you know, because I do think people talk more now than they did. You mentioned that side of it where there's that positive where players of today and, and people of today may be more open in talking about these things. One other thing that you talked about a lot in the book, though, was when you were a college athlete, all of the stressors and pressure that came with that and the amount of eyes that were on you all the time moving around on campus, being the level of player that you were at that kind of place. And I think about the world now where so many of these players constantly have eyes on them through social media, through every phone that's available to them all around campus. And I wonder as someone now that's, you know, covered the game in its modern form and sees all these changes between NIL money and the transfer portal and the, the added eyes on all these players, how you view the state of the current athlete with the things they have to handle in that way. I, well, I don't know how they do it. I, I, I'd have been in jail. I'm sure that's all the <laughs> and videos and all i mean it was different back then you know uh i i uh, i don't know how they do it if there's a lot of pressure on them to be perfect and none of us are perfect we're going to say the wrong thing we're going to do the wrong thing these are young people um to be scrutinized like they are and now now we're in such a, a point where at least all they asked me about was basketball or sports you know now these guys are asked about politics and stuff. They don't, you know, come on. You're just putting them in a bad spot. So I think it's, I, I can't imagine doing it today. 
if I had one, like, if I had one thing that I could have implemented when I was in school, when we were in school, my, that would have, uh, really helped. I wish I could have been able to see a therapist in college when I was 18 years old. I mean, and when, when I, when I think about it, it, uh, Understood. Understood. Uh, do you think one sec? One sec. Yeah. When no it, problem. It, it just that part of my life was really formative, and when I go back, sometimes and get to this spot, it's really hard. But it's important for me to to feel and and get through it, and not run to the racetrack and get involved in the in the form for seven hours. And, you know, go chase that girl or go do something to distract me from my bad feelings. So thanks for bearing with me for a sec. No problem at all. How, also in an era, and this would happen like when in the NFL, they would have a rookie symposium and they would bring in yeah. a vet to talk to the rookies. And a lot of times, you know, some rookies would listen and some, you know, if you're just looking out there are just tuning you out. Right. So yes. if you're in that position now, which I'm sure you've spoken in front of a, a number of people, but if you were doing that for athletes, young athletes, and, uh, and they were all paying attention to you, which we hope they would, what's, what's the biggest message Rex Chapman could give them? Pay attention. This, you will not play long. You will not play long, no matter if you, if you're here, if you're in college, you're going to play four years tops, you know, five, if you're there, if you go on and play professionally, okay, let's say you're great and you play 10 or 12 years, you're 32 years old and you got another 50 or 60 or 70 years to live better pay attention to what the people who have had success doing it, uh, before you did, um, because I was that guy, Mike. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you were there right there. Uh, right up front, listening to everything. And I was, I was <laughs> furious. We had to spend 45 minutes in here, a mandatory meeting, a mandatory meeting. And I have to go play golf. I have to, I can't believe you guys are keeping us for this bull is what I thought. So, and that's, that was it. And you guys know there's half of the locker room, if not more is that way. Yep, it, it, it's it's very true, and you're right in that. I hope more and more people going through that now are noticing and are taking stock of the experience of others. And, and I'm heartened by some of what we've seen from a lot of young athletes today, guys and, and gals figuring out a lot sooner. But it, it certainly always bears repeating that you can learn a lot if you've just got the willingness to learn a lot with the people that are stepping uh, forward with a lot of this information. So uh, Rex, with that in mind, we appreciate everything you've given us today. Again, the memoir is it's hard for me to live with me. It's available now documenting Rex Chapman's journey from being a, a basketball star in high school and college at Kentucky and in the NBA uh, uh, to your battles with, you know, uh, uh, gambling addiction, substance, and, and subsequently finding uh, your way back to this point. We can't thank you enough for, for sharing all of that with us and with the readers, man. We hope it all goes well for you. Thanks, fellas. Love you. Love your family. Beautiful people. 
Dan, I think that's one thing we've talked a lot about, and, and we mentioned it there with modern athletes now. And we mentioned it with Victor Wembanyama this morning. I do think that's one of the most heartening things about him is he seems to understand all of the help that's available to him as a young player who is supposed to be a superstar and is supposed to be in all of the rooms that Rex was in early in his life as a young player growing up in Kentucky, this basketball mecca who was destined to go be a great star at this school, that you get young players like Victor who are a lot more inclined to bend their ear to make sure they're listening to the game coming from these guys that have been around and seen the things that are coming their way to help them make sure they don't step on some of the same landmines yep. that they did. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the one of the many differences or one of the biggest differences of generations that we talked about is the avenues of help today and those players that that go for that help, that seek that help and that speak out uh, to an era that I, you know, as I said, Rex and I were in where you just kept everything bottled in. The toughest thing for me to hear in that and imagine a lot of it's because I have a family of my own, um, is, and I, and I didn't even really think about that, is he's laying out his life for everybody to read. I mean, this opening old wounds for his family. I and mean, this, this destroyed his family. You know, he's got kids, he's got grandkids, he's got a, a, an ex-wife, and talking about how it now had to, they have to relive it again. They already lived it once, and now this book comes out, and they're going to have to, you know, that's part of it as well as he goes through it, but they go through it again as well. That's, that's got to be very, very tough, tough on not only the family, but certainly Rex mentally to, to know that he's, he's doing that. Yeah, I, and I'm sure that's part of the thought process when you start going through all of this. I mean, getting to the point now where he's on the book tour is one thing, but he's been doing this and having to get all this together and I'm sure talk to a lot of these people in the process of gathering all the information in this book and getting everyone's perspective. So, uh, uh, an arduous journey, a fascinating one. I've gotten to read some of the book and uh, it's everything about the trappings of fame that you would expect for a star athlete going through these growing pains himself. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, everybody, where it is time now for Cash It or Trash It. It is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com 
for more details. So the Philadelphia 76ers here, Gojo, currently in a logjam in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference playoff race. However, they have some reinforcements coming soon as Joel Embiid speaking for the first time since he was injured back on January 30th. The same reason why I was pushing uh, the you know, last couple of games. I, I just love playing basketball. I want to be on the floor as much as possible. Um, I only have about 20 years to do this. Uh, so any chances that I get, I want to be on the floor. So it doesn't matter where we are. Um, I don't know. Four, five, three, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, doesn't really matter where we are. Uh, just want to play as much as we can and, you know, try to help us. Gentlemen, Philly currently plus 950 to win the East on the DK Sportsbook. That is the fifth best odds on the board there. If, and that's a big if, Gojo, Embiid can come back and contribute. You cashing or trashing those odds? I am probably going to trash those odds. Good and call. while we've seen even recently without <laughs> Joel Embiid out there, the Tyrese Maxey-led 76ers certainly have enough energy to be feisty and be a tough out for people. Dad, I just think where we're situated in the Eastern Conference right now, and Emerson kind of mentioned it, there's a couple of tiers. There's the Boston Celtics and everybody yeah. else right now who are eight games up yep. on the second-place yep. Cavs. There's the Cavs in Milwaukee that are knotted at the 2-3 spot eight games back east. And then there's the Knicks, Sixers, Orlando Magic and Pacers that are all right there with the Miami Heat as well from the four seed down to the nine seed that are only separated by about a game and a half. And when I look at that log jam down the stretch and I say, if I'm the 76ers and I am a team that is potentially going to get my sun and moon reinserted into the lineup, the gravity of Joel Embiid changes so much about how you play basketball if you're the 76ers and he's coming back not on the same footing that we had him at before with now injuries to both lower bo to both legs during this season if he's coming back to that point the last teams on earth i want to see are teams like the Knicks and the Miami Heat who are going to make everything into this brutal slugfest of a basketball game and make life really difficult for a team whose best player would be coming back late and partially injured so i would trash this ticket what about you no i'm trashing it as well i mean such hope for this team you know, first there was a hope, can Tyrese Maxey be the guy once Harden leads and Maxey has been doing a, a great job, but you can't lose Joel Embiid. Again, he got the sur or the procedure done and he was going to be reevaluated in four weeks. That's next Tuesday. That's when he gets reevaluated, not when he comes back. That's when he gets reevaluated. So whenever you're talking about a lower body injury for a big man and then a lower body injury where you're trying to come back where you not only have to heal that injury, but then you have to get going from the cardiovascular and game shape state again for a big man. That's tough. It's not like when he first comes back, he's going to be the Joel Embiid of old. That's not just going to happen. It's going to take a while. So, And as you mentioned in the standings, they, they could be in the play-ins. You know, they're, they're that close to dropping out of the automatics in the top six. So... Yeah, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen for him this year. The clock is certainly ticking on the 76ers with Embiid in the team they're putting around him. Uh, but it does seem to be the Celtics conference right now. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm trashing this one. Yeah, I, I just think – and it's unfortunate, Dad, that this has kind of been – as we've had conversations about the Philadelphia 76ers for years now and what they've put around Joel Embiid and the failed Ben Simmons experiment and the bad playoff runs here – 
while there is certainly a lot of it that goes to, hey, we don't always feel like Phillies had the best handle on who their roster is around Joel Embiid in terms of that other superstar, the failed stuff with James Harden, all the different iterations that we've seen. But how many seasons now have we seen for Philadelphia really go down the drain? Because at the end of the year, either in the postseason or earlier on in the season, Joel Embiid's body, unfortunately, just continues to let him down at certain junctures like this. And he's played through it admirably in certain situations before. But at the end of the day, the amount of seasons where Joel Embiid injury has been part of the headline that ultimately leads to the 76ers, it does make you wonder not about you know their future without Joel Embiid, but how they really have to think about structuring this team without him. Because Tyrese Maxey's great, and I get why they wanted to hold on to him. He's yeah. awesome for that team. Uh, Tobias Harris, I think, is coming up on the end of the five-year deal he signed a while back and has been great for them this season. But None of those guys are good enough to shoulder the load in a way that allows you to take the night-in, night-out pounding off of Joel Embiid's shoulders, who has been in the conversation for the best basketball player on the planet for the last handful of years. And so I wonder how big they've got to swing now, Dad, because it seems that if your plan is we're going to ride Joel Embiid till the wheels fall off and let him be our engine for the entire season, that unfortunately that train runs out of gas by the time you get into the year more often than not. Yeah, and because you, you have a core in Boston that's going to be together. You have, you know, the Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee. You know, we'll, we'll get time to season a little bit as he stays there. So you don't see that team really backsliding at all. So you're right. What is put on Joel Embiid, you know, to lead this team? And, and to your point, to make it through a regular season and then, oh, by the way, make a playoff run. You know, we mentioned Ben Simmons there. We mentioned James Harden there. Remember, it was. It seems like a long time ago, or maybe people even forgot. Remember when Jimmy Butler was there? Jimmy Butler was there oh. in part of the eighteen nineteen season, does. coming over from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I almost forgot about that of, of players they have rolled in there to try and say, you know, we need to get this thing done. So, yeah, I don't know what the future is going to hold there, and what they're going to be able to put around Joel Embiid to compete in the East right now. I do wonder, uh, whenever we do the retrospective on this era of 76ers basketball, and it it overlaps some like with the process era 76ers that Joel was certainly a part of at the beginning that we've kind of waved by to since then, but as we look back as the most important move in the juncture of any two franchises in the last half decade of basketball, if that one move in Philadelphia – choosing not to retain Jimmy Butler, letting a guy walk who got the vibe with him and Joel Embiid. They both talked so glowingly about the other before, during, and after that time. And then, listen, I mean, one of the bigger swings and misses by me take-wise, Jimmy Butler going down to Miami and saying, oh, no, you can't have a team where Jimmy Butler is your best player, be a perennial contender. That's not – you don't get to build around that guy. And all the Miami Heat have said is, okay, sure, and gone to Eastern Conference Finals and had NBA Finals appearances as recently as last year. Like, what Jimmy Butler has done there, both on and off the court, is now a country music star with Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> has been nothing short of exemplary, but it's a reminder of your exactly right what the 76ers had in their building and let leave, and now watching what he's done since, I'd have to imagine that place is cloaked in regret. Yeah, I, I would think so as well. And, and as we keep saying, looking toward the future, because as we said, we both trash that for this year winning the East, and we talk about Boston, we talk about Milwaukee, but has Cleveland passed them by? Have the, have the Knicks passed them by? Even when Embiid comes back, 
you know, those two teams, you got a couple of teams elevating themselves in the East. We talked about the Celtics, the Bucks, and the 76ers as the top three. Well, we know how the 76ers have fallen without Embiid, but we see the rise of Cleveland. We see the rise of the Knicks. So there are other teams jumping into the fray. Yeah, I mean, and you look at all those teams, too, again, the way that they can make life difficult for them in terms of points per game allowed. Cleveland, second in the league. Miami, third in the league. The Knicks, fourth in the league. Like, they are teams that pride themselves, and this isn't surprising given the coaches at the helm with some of these. When you think of Tibbs in New York, they built a team in his grind set likeness that wants to go out there and batter and bruise you. And again, I go back to the original point is – if you've got teams full of bruisers like them, like the Miami Heat, who want to turn the game into a physical rock fight, that's not the place I want my injured big coming back into and being expected to compete with in the most critical juncture. And to Joel's credit, he said, no matter what our standing is, no matter what the record is, right. I'm coming back if I'm physically able to. And his hope is that he can do that before the end of the regular season. That's admirable for Joel Embiid. That's incredible from him. And he's always been, like we've said, everything you want a Philadelphia athlete to be. Unfortunately, it just seems like that's not going to include champion anytime soon. And that's where the rubber really meets the road. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr. Dad, for anyone watching or listening to us live, is probably also seeing the pictures of Sam Hartman start to hit the timeline right now as the quarterbacks have shown up ah. today. The NFL is down so collectively bad right now for our sweet, sweet former Notre Dame son who's making waves with the hair in all the ways that we expected, right? He's going in and being the best-looking guy at the Combine, trying to also see if he can make someone's roster better. But, man, the thirsty tweets and texts that I am getting yeah. as he gets to the podium yeah. this morning are unbelievable. Yeah, he's a guy that wants his play to outdo the talk about his looks for sure. That's because he's wants, you know, a football player. It's what he wants to do. Uh, but boy, it's tough to get around it. He's never going to get around it, right? I mean, he's always going to get uh, the tweets, uh, the thirst tweets for him. It's uh, not not a bad position to be in at all. <laughs> no, and you know what? He did the smart thing at the podium. They asked him about the hair. He said, I've got a great mom and great genes. So shout out to his mom, Lisa, who we both got to meet. Yes. Who does actually have exemplary hair as well. So not surprising the apple. And we're <laughs> fine to your point. Sam's a great football player. And going back to watch... Yeah. Joe Alt and Audric Estimate. There are so many throws that pop from Sam. He's another guy, as we talked about the 
Brock Purdyfication of the NFL where people might all of a sudden say, hey, maybe right. we'll give a guy that's a more veteran seasoned player a look because of the amount of football they've seen because of how high the floor is. I think Sam's certainly someone who is a candidate for that with the amount of quality high level football that that guy's played throughout his career, the big throws, some of the big moments. There's certainly not going to be anything you can put on his plate that'll phase him. He internalized a whole new offense this year. So uh, a guy that's really easy to root for given what we've gotten to know from him and, and some one that I think, given what we've seen, is a little bit maybe the start of a trend, is going to have a shot to help make somebody better, as is Saquon Barkley, Dad. We're getting into some rumors as we get into and close to NFL free agency and the things coming up here, and we heard all the other day about the running backs in this market. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, a number of these guys that wouldn't be tagged by their current team, that would explore longer-term deals, but that could be doing a bit of a game of running back musical chairs right now. And one of the rumors yeah. that started to pop up yesterday was about the potential of Saquon Barkley heading to the Houston Texans. And I know your eyes kind of lit up, Dad, when you thought about that combination. Oh, I, I think it's a great fit. You have an up-and-coming team, team that, that surprised everybody in making the playoffs. Their arrow is firmly pointed in the up position uh, to continue to make moves with the young players and coaches uh, that have worked well for them. So now you continue to build around. You've got a, a hell of a young quarterback who is, as we keep talking about this, this is something that keeps coming back, is on that rookie uh, pay uh, contract right now. So this is the time you can build. Now, Saquon Barkley, if you get him, isn't going to cost you a lot of money. Unfortunately, the the market for running backs didn't all of a sudden go to $20 million a year. That's not going to happen. So he's certainly a number you can fit into the cap. Their leading rusher last year, Devin Singletary, he's a free agent as well. Uh, under 1,000 yards, had 30 receptions. Saquon could improve both those positions extremely well. I think that would be a monster pickup. We talk about going, you know, players, established players going to contending teams. This is a team on the rise. This is a team on the rise in a division that really isn't dominated by anybody, right? So, I mean, they can continue that that rise up uh, with talent they now put around the young players that have that have really blossomed for them. Yeah, Emerson, cover your ears right now as the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and the rest of that division, unfortunately, uh, probably going to be looking up at the Houston Texans for a little while here. And, Dad, you're right. This is the the ultimate in sex sells, right? When you've got a quarterback the caliber of C.J. Stroud who showed in year one the kind of juice that really, I mean, outside of Joe Burrow, we haven't really seen from a top overall pick in terms of not only being incredible in his own individual performance, but the way he lifted that team. Yeah, I'm sure for a lot of the running backs in the current market, I do wonder if this will be the trend where, hey, we might not be getting the paydays that we want anymore, but man, the opportunity to go and join a team like this that does have an upward trajectory, not just for now, but for the immediate future. And for a guy in Saquon Barkley that is on the younger side, even if his body's betrayed him at a couple of stops right. along the way already during his Giants career, I, I think that could be... That could be fascinating. Dad, do you think there's anything that changes in terms of the nature of these guys' deals with this? Because the one thing I was thinking about was, man, if I'm Saquon Barkley or any of these running backs and I'm being told by the marketplace, hey, we don't want you as a bell cow anymore. We don't believe that. We think we can bundle running backs and do the committee thing here. And your contract's going to reflect that. You think there's anything in terms of protections that these guys could start to get in their deals that could at least make this reality a little bit more palatable? I don't think anything they can get written in, uh, no, because if, if they're not going to get the big money, even if they're touching the ball a lot, do they want to continue doing that and shorten their career? 
by touching the ball a lot. I mean, if I sign a guy, I'm going to use him. If Saquon Barkley is on my team, I'm going to run him and I'm going to throw passes to him. And if Saquon has to settle for a deal he doesn't really like, does he want to have, you know, high 200s or 300s in touches. Probably doesn't want to break his body down like that. But how are you going to get that into a contract? You're not going to get anything written into a contract for protection against the amount of time you play. Uh, it's always for the amount of time you play is, is a positive of getting, more, of getting more money. So, no, I don't think there's anything from a contract standpoint that will put these running backs in a better position. They're just in a bad position right now. Uh, from their position and what they can make, and they just gonna have to try and get the best deals they can get. I know because that was my thought process. Was you're right? We have playing time incentives and bonuses all the time. It'd be very difficult in precedent setting in a way. I'm sure most owners would, you know, definitely not collude, but kind of collude a little bit oh. on the idea that. <laughs> hey, if we wanted to build in there, if I was a running back and an agent, I'm saying, all right, you don't think I'm worth bell cow money, then I want protection against that. I want tears in this where if I'm above a certain amount of touches, you're going to have to pay me for those touches here because why am I going to go out here and destroy my body requisite for a paycheck that I'm not getting when you won't want to pay up to it? I think that would be an interesting option for them to explore. But again, to your point, unfortunately, they don't hold a lot of ammunition right now in going to the table and trying to make something like that happen. I'm the probably the team I'm most interested in in what they do at running back is Baltimore because we talked about how they led the league in rushing last year a lot to do with Lamar but Gus Edwards is a free agent J.K. Dobbins is a free agent but the guy has been hurt the last three years so I don't know what that 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 means for him uh, on the free agent market but a free agent nonetheless so what does Baltimore do? Do they get one of these, you know, a Derrick Henry, a Saquon Barkley, or one of the – go after a Josh Jacobs, who I think will still end up with the Raiders, uh, to try and, 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 you know, keep that running attack going as they have free agents that may exit that uh, team. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch there. Unfortunately, it seems like uh, we're not going to get to connect with Levante David at this point today, uh, which is a shame, Dad, because the one thing I was curious about talking with him about his status, he's 33 years old right now, potentially going to enter the free agent pool at linebacker. And when you look at the guys in there, and we talk about running back as this position that's in a bit of a crossroads right now, I think linebacker is in a really interesting spot as well, given where the league is going. It's gotten light and fast at that spot. We saw a lot of teams get punished for that last year. And as we look up and see guys in the combine all south of 240 pounds, most of them south of 230 pounds, and the names popping up in free agency like Frankie Louvu from the Panthers, Levante himself, Patrick Queen from the Baltimore Ravens, Jordan Brooks from the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner, they're either older names or guys that don't necessarily resemble yeah. the linebackers of old in a year where we're getting ready to watch Patrick freaking Willis go into the Hall of fame I do wonder what the future trajectory for this position looks like because we saw plenty of teams the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely decimated for not addressing yep. it properly during the offseason yeah no, your guy's been in the league 12 years Tampa Bay his only team has pretty much accomplished it all he's been a pro bowler he's been on an all-pro team won a Super Bowl he's done about everything you can do in college two-time All-American and in the NFL so as we always talk about with free agents, what's on his mind? What does he want? Uh, I don't know if a big payday is in it after 12 years in the league. Are you comfortable in Tampa Bay who has a lot of free agents out there? Or you're looking for a new adventure and doesn't want to be with a contending team? Only Levante David knows you know, what's going on in his mind about what's going to be next in his future.
trying to read the minds of athletes is almost always a losing effort. But coming up next, I will present to you the most secretive athlete we maybe have ever seen in the modern era. Next here on Gojo and Golan. All right, fellas, time to finish off the week the way we always do. This, that, the third, three quick stories to send you into the weekend. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network, our YouTube channel, and the best of Gojo and Golik, noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, wherever you hear VEASAN on the radio each and every day during the week. Or if you miss any of us live or our great guests, thanks to Rex Chapman for stopping by today to talk about his book, his life, and his career with us. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts or available right here on YouTube as soon as we get done. And fellas, I present to you for this, the most secretive athlete of our time. I thought Mike Trout, as far as a superstar player who really gave us nothing in terms of personality or information, was going to be the zenith of this. In a day and age in pro sport where everyone's got social media, we know so much, there's players with podcasts, player empowerment, all of it out here. I present to you Shohei Itani, shock-dropping his marriage, not only on us on the outside world, but apparently to Dave Roberts, the Dodgers, and everybody else associated with that organization – Shohei Itani went on to say that she is a Japanese woman, and I don't really feel comfortable talking about when I got married exactly, but she is a normal Japanese woman. Guys, Dad, what do you make of Shohei Itani talking about his now wife the same way kids in middle school used to make up their girlfriend that's definitely real but goes to another school and you just wouldn't know her? (laughs) I I mean, this is classic Shohei, right? You don't know anything about the guy, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. We saw him with his dog. Everybody wanted to know about his dog. Yeah. Who he calls decoy, uh, you know, we and we so we st- start finding out about his dog. Nobody knew about this, as you said, not even the team he played for. So, I, I guess not oh, shocking to be shocked by an announcement of Shohei Otani and what he is doing. As he wrote, he said, with he and his wife and the dog, we hope the two of us and one animal will work together. Not the line you normally read after you know a, a, a wedding and an animal involved. We hope the two of us and one animal will work together. Okay, C- congrats to the to the fine young couple. I, I hope they uh, have a long, happy life together. He says he's doing over three to to four years. I'm just like, don't you don't you know exactly how long like, you've you've known her for? I said there is well, no. no that's, he doesn't want to let us know how long he's known her for. That's the whole point. He's going to give us like a range and an idea for everything, but never any specifics because then we uh, can know his next move. And he never wants us to know his next move. I, I don't. Say. I don't think there is a no. wife. He's married to the game. There is no wife. Ah. He he does seem well, we'll deeply grind set. I mean. He's like the giving up the deferring the salary till later on, barely acknowledging the existence of anything remotely resembling a personal or family life here. The guy is so grindset oriented here. Dodgers fans got to be thrilled about that. I, for one, can't wait until he shocks drops an entire body cover full of tattoos on us. Like you saw all the baseball shots there. He's got the arm sleeve. He's got the right coverage. At some point, it's just going to be Shohei pops the top for some reason, and it'll be carefully calculated when he does just covered head to toe and tattoos would be a next sick stanza That'd be hot. of stuff that he could drop on us from nowhere. Yeah, I'm in on that. Jesus yeah, I'm not, not sure that one's coming, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen well, him shirtless, uh, buddy? That, 
I can't mm-hmm. say that I have. So yeah. I, I guess I'm just yeah. sur- surmising. Just like you've never seen a baby pigeon. See? Oh, God. Open your third oh, eye, sheeple. It's time to walk into the light. Oh. Speaking of conspiracies, Emerson, apparently there are conspiracies around video that surfaced yesterday of one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady besting his 40 time from the combine, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, okay, yeah, so Tom Brady, he runs faster now, uh, a faster 40 at 46 than he did at 22. Everybody knows the electric famous picture of him with his doughboy body. Uh, 22 at the NFL Combine, he clocked a not-so 5.28-second 40-yard dash. Two and a half decades later, he has improved this time to 5.12 seconds. And yes, because we know all of the fun, fake videos that he he and his team have put out there over the years, there are people on the internet, and we all know everyone on the internet is very reasonable, that they believe that this is fake. He did not run a faster 40. All right? What do you think, Gojo? Do you believe that this is real? And at 46, he is running a faster 40 than he did at 22. So I can absolutely believe this just because, as one of my buddies put it, there are no ugly people. There are just people without the means. Like, (laughs) Tom Brady (laughs) has, throughout his career as a star, just gotten better looking over time. We've watched every time they do that face morph with Tom Brady over his career. It's horrifying because you watch this man, Benjamin Button, into one of the best-looking men on planet Earth. So, yeah, Dad, I absolutely believe through all the weird pliability and actually caring about what he eats and not being a drunk college student in Michigan that, yeah, he's probably a better version of himself now physically because he didn't set the bar high early on here. It's like when guys would potentially fudge their baseline concussion test so that later on when they have to pass it under duress, they're in a better position to do so that's really all tom did with his first 40 yeah and and i'm sure that was his thought process is i'm going to run a slow 40 at the combine you know so i could be taken in the sixth round and have this incredible story uh (laughs) chestnut checkers right to your script it was the Uh, script senior it was the script i i i believe this i mean let's remember he hasn't been retired for 10 years He's just been out of the game, so he's been training, and guys train way better than they used to than even when he got came into the league. There's more known about tr- nutrition and weight training and all yeah. kinds of training in season and in off season. So, and this guy has kept himself in great shape. And again, he just finished playing, so I absolutely he be- believe he ran a faster forty. Gentlemen, right now, how different would your forties be from when you ran it in college? <laughs> Me and Brandon went and ran the 40s at the Super Bowl uh, experience in Phoenix two years ago. And I ran dead. When you're young, you run with nothing but freedom on your mind. You run with force and effort and all these things. When you're 34 doing it, I ran with fear the entire time that (laughs) one of my hamstrings was just going to explode underneath me and I was going to have to limp back down to Radio Row and explain to my peers, yes, I'm going to be on IR for a little bit. I blew out my hamstring running the 40 at the Super Bowl experience. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, my biggest fear in life now that I have left sports in the rear view is an adult injury. So you couldn't pay me to max effort a 40. Well, actually, you could. You pay me to do pretty much anything. But (laughs) you would have to pay me a good amount of money to run a max effort 40 at this point. Listen, the words I live by right now, especially when me and your mother go play pickleball, is don't fall down. <laughs> you know, in back in the day when you dive for a shot, now I ain't gonna. I'm not falling yeah. down. I'm not putting myself 
in harm's way. So I'm with you. I could not let it go on a 40-yard dash. I just could not just all out sprint this thing at 61 years old if I didn't train a little bit for it because I'd be scared to death of a hammy, a knee. I already have to get my left knee replaced. That that would be the end of that and have to go do it, get carried right from the field uh, to the operating room to get it replaced. Yeah, I, I couldn't feel comfortable enough letting it all go knowing the damage I would do to my body. The life alert pendant for my dad's next coming <laughs> birthday collision course. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, people that need a uh, life alert right now, Emerson, let's get to the third yeah. here. A very horrifying development for the Philadelphia Phillies yeah. ballpark. Experience. Speaking of doing damage to your body here after 27 years, the run of 27 years, the Phillies are discontinuing their popular dollar dog night promotion. The team said yesterday in a release, it's part because of unruly fan behavior. This comes after an April game last year against the Marlins, several fans were just, it was a food fight. It was a massive food fight in the stands here, but they are going to offer a buy one, get one free deal, which something tells me with the fans of Philadelphia, that will not stop them from causing and starting another food fight. No. I was just going to say, how is a Philadelphia (laughs) organization surprised that fans are acting up here? This is a travesty, dad. Yeah, listen, the Rangers sell dollar dogs every Wednesday at home games. Minnesota have a dollar dog deal each Tuesday at home games. So it's still done out there. It is, but it's not shocking that it's Philadelphia fans that are causing some kind of ruckus. And the best thing you do in a ruckus is you take advantage of the situation and monetize it. So, of course, T-shirts have been made lamenting the decision with the inscription, RIP dollar dog night, (laughs) pork flu, Heads rolled. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. It's a sad state I of affairs as someone who lived through the fiasco at the Notre Dame Student Center when they upped the price of quarter dogs to 33 cent dogs on a bunch of <laughs> drunk college kids. We did not stand for it, and I'd imagine Philadelphia will not stand for it. If you want to join the fight, download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>